Hey guys, my name is Pixel Dan. You may know me from my reviews on Masters of the Universe Classics. Or perhaps you know me from a little show called From Pixels to Plastic. Or hey, maybe you caught one of my Trash Pack videos, or my Spider-Man videos, or... You get the picture here? I do a lot of toy videos. Did you know that there is now a place online where you can see everything that I do? That's right, one stop for all things Pixel Dan. www.pixel-dan.com For toy review videos, commentary, and much more from a guy who just loves toys. Pixel-dan.com For the love of toys. Check it out. Ladies and gentlemen, this next reviewer discussion is scheduled for one podcast. Join Chris Vint and Mike Lacey as they make up the dynamic team of WrestleShock. Hello guys and welcome to episode 10 of WrestleShock. I am one of your hosts, Chris Vint, and joined, yes, for another episode. We've had the Honky Talk Man interview and he's back. Introduce yourself, sir. It's me. It's me. It's Mike Lacey. Um, no. <laughs> are you going to help me like me, are you? Because <laughs> it just sounded like you were trying to rhyme like DDP, that kind of thing. Well, that's what I was going for. I, apparently I failed. <laughs> yes, you did, yeah. But um, good job for trying. Um, God loves a trier, so they say. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, you would have heard that on the last WrestleShock reviews, it would have been myself and Martin Steins talk about the Raw 1000. Obviously, I haven't talked to Mike about it. So, Mike, what were your thoughts on the 1000th episode episode, episode of Raw, sir? I thought it was fantastic. The uh, The DX reunion was just something that, I, as as soon as they they said, you know, didn't there used to be more of us, I just totally, totally marked out. It was so. It was so great just to see the, uh, the the jeep mocked up like the uh, the old tank from the uh, when they invaded Monte Nitro, and and to see Road Dog and Billy Gunn, uh, the Outlaws, and X Pac just coming down to the ring. It just brought back so many so many memories. Because to me, all all you know to me them all together. I know that uh, Michael was Michaels wasn't really there when the Outlaws and X Pac were part of DX, but for me it, it's. The collective. When I think of when I think of DX, I don't think of just Triple H and, and HBK. Mm-hmm. So to see them all in the ring together and just the, the segment was just so funny. It it, it brought a big uh, a big smile to my face. Though the smile to my face wasn't as big as when I saw uh, May Young and the uh, the grown up hand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was just pure genius. You ever thought? Let's put the hand in there. I thought that was fantastic myself. And as, as much as I am not the biggest Kane fan, but to see uh, The Undertaker come down and, and make an appearance on Raw and reunite the, uh, the Brothers of Destruction for you know what might be the last time, it, it, it was a real nice moment for me. Yeah, I think my biggest mark-out moment was uh, whenever Lita came out and the APA came out. <laughs> for me was this. I didn't expect the APA to come out uh, and then obviously his clothesline from hell in the way oh, so man. they had sold that was just fantastic knocked him right out of his shoes 
indeed, indeed. So, obviously, on that episode of Raw, we had a new Intercontinental Champion crowned, which was The Miz. And this episode is a nice segue because it's your, you, the listeners, top five Intercontinental Champions of all time. So, are we happy, Mike, saying where The Miz is going to take the belt? It's nice to see The Miz back. It looks like he's come back with a bit more edge this time. Um, he doesn't have the faux hawk. He's not the clean cut. He's got a bit of stubble and some longer hair. So maybe a a new bit of attitude. So we'll see what he does with the, with the title this time around. Yeah, he seems to be very. Um, he doesn't, you know, shout. He seems to be watch. He's as I was saying on the raw review. Like it seems to be he's watched a lot of Jake Roberts stuff. You know, like he seems to be very. You know, like, I'm the Miz, and I'm awesome. You know, like, he seems to be just talking very, very subtly. Yeah, kind of cold and calculating, and, you know. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, um, this is people's top five intercontinental champions of all time. Um, We'll have to see um, who who becomes synonymous with this. Um, There may be one name in particular that is probably on the top of Mike's list. Uh, but Mike, if you want to start it off, uh, somebody didn't send stuff in for our last homework, which was the tag team, so he's added that in there if you would like to read that. Yeah, apparently the dog ate Spanner's homework last time around, so... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> detention, Spanner, detention. So I, I guess we'll kick it off with uh, with his top five tag teams um, that he wanted to put in for the, for the last episode. Where I uh, started out with number five was the Dudley Boys, number four the Powers of Pain, which I don't think anybody else had on their list. Uh, number <laughs> three the Rockers, number two the Brainbusters, and number one was Demolition. So better late than never, Paul. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> so we'll go right into his top five Intercontinental Champions, which is the topic of this episode. So for uh, for Paul York, number five was uh, Shawn Michaels, number four Bret Hart. Number three, the Macho Man Randy Savage. Number two, Mr. Perfect. And number one, Santino Marella. I can uh, I can see you know where it's come from with Santino because obviously Santino was a lot different whenever he made his debut against Umaga and won the title there. You know, came in from the crowd. Um, different character then from what he is now. Oh yeah, much different. He he wasn't the comedy character back then that he is now. No, and he had Bobby Lashley help him as well, which um, was nice of Bobby Lashley. That's probably the only thing I re- only thing I really remember Bobby Lashley for is that and the fact he couldn't climb ladders. <laughs> well, Santino can't can't climb ladders either, right? Oh well, that's true. Yeah, he just gets the <laughs> Cobra to do that for him. Um, but I don't understand why he has that U.S. Championship belt. I really wish they would just give it to somebody else and. You know, like the IC title, give it a bit more prestige than it had, you know, than with it used to. Um, rather than now, it's just a case of he's held up belt for I don't know how long, and you know, hasn't really done anything with it. Right, a lot of times he doesn't even he doesn't even defend it. A lot of times they put him into you know either a, a mixed tag or you know some kind of a you know some kind of gimmick match, some kind of gimmick tag match where he's not even defending the title. Might as well not even have it at this point. I'd rather bring back, uh, you know, the light heavyweight title or, or, or something like that. Cruiserweight one, yeah. I <laughs> give him, give Horns, yeah. Well, Hornswoggle was the cruiserweight champion, wasn't it? <laughs> at uh, one point, yes. Yeah, anonymous raw GM. God, what a terrible. <laughs> okay, the next one is from Justin Zamuda, and Justin writes, "I loved the IC ti- division when WWF titles meant something." You must have just uh, 
heard what we did um, say there now, Justin, which uh, you're probably going, yep, I agree with that. So, <laughs> it's number five. Uh, pick is Razor Ramon. Number four is Mr. Perfect. Number three is The Ultimate Warrior. Number two, Macho Man Randy Savage. And number one, the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, the Honky Tonk Man. That's probably the worst impersonation of the Honky Tonk Man ever, but I thought <laughs> I'll give it a blast anyway. So, um... Interesting to see the Ultimate Warrior making Justin's list. I, I you got to give the Warrior some love on this list in particular, because I mean, in 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 my opinion, though he wasn't the the best in ring worker, and you know, wasn't the best at quite a lot of things. It, it really depends on what criteria you're you're talking about. I, I really think that he. He really added a lot of prestige to the Intercontinental Championship. I mean, in all honesty, he was really the only IC champion that's ever been looked at as a legitimate threat to the WWE champion at the time. You know, taking that title into WrestleMania six and actually, you know, champion versus champion defeating, you know, you know the the, the immortal Hulk Hogan. That that means a lot, you know. That that really gives a lot of weight to the Intercontinental Champion because that kind of puts it on par mm-hmm. with the WWF Championship. Yeah, rather than whatever they did with Kane and Triple H, and it was a kind of a case of the Intercontinental Champion would be merged with the World Heavyweight Championship. Exactly. So, I mean, if you take the whole, you know, if you take the reign as a whole rather than just the uh, the superstar attached to it, uh, I think it's a legitimate place for the warrior to be. Hmm. Okay, fair enough. Uh, if you want to go on with the next one, uh, here we go. Tom- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got the best one after that. <laughs> Tom Williams always tends to have a fun list for us. Mm-hmm. Fun is inverted commas, folks. But to each their own. You know, we're only joking with you, Tom. And congratulations because Tom was the gentleman who won the Best of Raw on SmackDown 2011 Blu-ray, and actually said that was his first Blu-ray as well. Nice. Yeah. So um, he was uh, sent the message just both on Twitter um, to thank us for that. So. And you're very welcome. Indeed. So he writes, "Hey mates, thanks for considering me to write in for this one." Uh, the Intercontinental title history isn't my strong point, so I'll come clean. I've currently got the wiki article for the IC title open to read the list of title holders. Well, you know, it's, I don't know if you... You see, Spanner had his homework out, and now he's cheating with his homework. Now we got a bunch of slackers. Indeed, <laughs> you're a slacker, McFly. <laughs> All right, so, we write, so let's count it down. Number five, Albert. How can I not consider a man named after a piercing, a piercing of the male appendage? Okay. Moving on quickly. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, Kurt Angle. It's true, it's true. Eurocontinental champion. First ever. Great name. Also hilarious. Him losing both belts without being pinned. A classic. Yes, and thank you, Mike, for sending me that link with him and RVD. That was oh, one of the funniest awesome? things. I was in stitches with my friend Jimmy, who was here. Well, we were in kinks at that, just whatever, you know, he started <laughs> sending people with the chairs and stuff. That was just fantastic. I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that. We'll have to see if we can put a link to that in the show notes so everybody can take a look at it. I'll actually try and get the audio to put at the end of this here if I can. Oh, there you go. Uh, number three on the list is uh, Umaga. Uh, could have manga, been... you mean? Yeah, him too. 
That's <laughs> your Regal, you know, Umanga. Like, well, that's not how it's pronounced, but sure. <laughs> just to say that British people can't say Umaga. Well, it could have been a turkey of a gimmick, but but it worked so well. And when he held the title to lose it to a fan, uh, later to be known uh, Santino Morella, it was just so fitting. Number two was Kane. The Big Red Machine deserves every championship. End of note. <laughs> and number one, Gold Dust. The most memorable champion, to me at least. He has a couple of honorable mentions to, um, to the aforementioned Santino Morella, Val Venus, Jeff Hardy, and JBL. Basically, I wanted to avoid putting into the two obvious choices being Mr. Perfect and the Honk Tonk Man. Uh, plus, in fairness, they will be on every list, and I hadn't got into wrestling when they were around, so there's, de so there's deference to my picks. I honestly don't remember JBL winning the IC Championship. Me neither. But that's not to say that uh, my, my memory is not always the best of things. I don't have the Wikipedia <laughs> open like, like Mr. Tom Williams does at yeah. his disposal. So, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Folks, it's that time of the podcast whenever um kind of have to get a hot beverage, sit down, relax. Um, if you're lying in bed listening to a podcast, um, this will probably send you to sleep. This is Alan Price's list. And this is about, uh, yes, this is an A4 page. Yes, it is. <laughs> an actual A4 page dedicated to Alan. So, Alan writes, yeah, might have went a tad overboard, but hey, enjoy. Number five is Edge. Made his name with this title, proved he was a workhorse. He even showed hints of somebody WWE would turn to in the future when at a house show in Toronto. An audible was called due to agents backstage being so impressed and he won his first IC title against Jeff Jarrett. Ugh, Jeff Jarrett. Um, yes, he lost it back to Double J the next night, but the point still stands that he obviously did something right. The early 2000s were a fun time for me when it came to wrestling and Edge was a big part of that. Plus, I will never forget the Edge versus Eddie Guerrero in a ladder match on SmackDown. It may not have been for the IC title, but damn, it was good. Um, can't really argue with that pick at all. Um, I think Edge is one of the few superstars who is got like about 30 odd um, title reigns you know whether it be World Heavyweight Championship IC um, tag team etc what are your thoughts on Edge Mike no, it's definitely nice to see him get an individual title here at, at, at this point um just to pay off for the, for the hard work that he had put in as, as a tag team partner with Christian, uh, just all all that time, you get a little bit of a payoff, even if it was just for one night. It's just kind of a little bit of a you know a, a slap on the back, a, a bit of an attaboy, you know, throw him a bone for uh, tell him you, you know you got a bright future ahead as a single competitor. Mm -hmm. I think it was actually in an IC title match at one of the SummerSlams whenever they were in Toronto that he was a face and the. Toronto fans were booing him and that's whenever the kind of the rated R superstar era was then born yeah I think that's what he says on the uh, on the uh, DVD yeah yeah um, uh, number four is Rowdy Piper and then in capital letters says okay so um, okay I know what you're all saying Piper really yes really God the Miz is it um, it was his only singles title he'd ever held at WWE which I think makes it all the more special I'm a big Piper fan so to see the hot rod with gold was awesome plus he held it longer than someone with a very respectable 70 
Uh, oh no, sorry. Plus, he held it longer than some, with a very respectable 77-day reign before losing to Bret Hart at WrestleMania 8, who would hold the title until a certain match that summer against the British Bulldog. That's SummerSlam 1992. Um, are you surprised to see Roddy Piper on the list? Obviously, the first time that we've actually seen him on uh, anyone's list. No, I think it's a good spot here, just because... Piper's just he, he's such a legend and the fact that this was the only title that he held he kind of has to be on this list because he's not going to be on any other list <laughs> well, <laughs> if, you know if we're, if we're talking about you know uh you know, you know title reigns and, and and whatnot Piper's not really going to be able to get his due so I have absolutely no problem with Alan throwing him on this list yeah I think if we were to do a list of like the top five superstars he never held you know the uh, world heavyweight championship in the WWE Piper and Jake the Snake Roberts and you know well you can't really classify the million dollar man because he did hold it for you know he did buy it um, so um, <laughs> you can't really put that on uh, number three is the Macho Man Randy Savage oh yeah uh, one I won't actually spend much time on it speaks for itself he only had one reign but it lasted 414 days I think somebody else had a Wikipedia open while he was typing this and ended <laughs> in the match that many consider the best match in Mania history versus Ricky Dragon Steve WrestleMania 3 these are the sort of days that we as fans miss and I see title it meant something we were kind of getting there with Cody's 200 plus day reign as champ but whether the resurrection will continue with Christian is anyone's guess I'm sure Alan would probably be in the same mindset you know that um, Alan's a huge Miz fan um, so I think Alan would be very happy that the Miz um, is the current Intercontinental Champion um, your thoughts on the Macho Man no I, I, I totally agree with this one here too uh, he had he, he had a, a pretty long reign you know 414 days which led into like alan said arguably you know and and we had had done a uh, a, uh, an episode on this arguably one of the best wwf matches you know in in history where he lost the title there and that just springboarded him onto winning the title at the next wrestlemania wrestlemania 4 so this is really what the intercontinental title is you know in in my mind and what it always used to be for you know, it was that launching pad to go, you know, they, they would give you that, we would give you the Intercontinental title, see how you carried it, um, see if you were, uh, you know, a, a worthy performer, um, really see if you can get over with the crowd as a champion in, in the mid card, in the, in the upper mid card before they would uh, give you the big title. So the Macho Man pretty much is the, for me, is the epitome of, of doing exactly that. Okay. Uh, number two is Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero above Macho Man, I hear you ask. No, nobody's asking. Uh, he held the title twice, yes, but numbers aren't the only thing to rate somebody as a good champion. It is what you do with your time as champ that makes you memorable. Eddie falls in the same category like Edge earlier. Latino Heat was another big reason for me enjoying wrestling in the early 2000s. He has so many great moments during his time as Intercontinental Champion. Who can forget how he won his first IC title, begging to be put in the channel's title defence against Kurt Angle to protect her, and then after Kurt knocked China out with the 
seatbelt, Eddie accidentally, in inverted commas, pinned her when he tried to revive her. Plus there was him attempting to sub China's Playboy shoot, don't blame him, <laughs> and being <laughs> caught with the Godfather's hose. There were great matches as well, uh, numerous ones with RVD including the ladder match on Raw where a fan jumped the rail and pushed over the ladder leading to some improvisation from the two masters of the Frog Splash. Okay, finally for Eddie, just a small bit of trivia, Latino Heat was the man holding the IC title when WWF became WWE. See, Superfan Ben isn't the only one that can put some trivia in. Yeah, <laughs> although uh, Superfan Ben just ends to give us like a paragraph. <laughs> well, not even a paragraph, like a line, whereas Alan gives us a paragraph and then some. So, uh, number one is Mr. Perfect. There is only one reason I could... There is only one person I could have as my number one, and that is the perfect intercontinental champion. What really needs to be said about Mr. Perfect? Just listen to episode 4 of WrestleShock with Chris and myself if you want an in-depth discussion of the man. Plus, the Million Dollar Man is in there as well. Plugging aside, that was my plugging voice by the way. Kurt Henning had two reigns as champion, having some great matches along the way. His second reign, which can only be which can be considered as memorable, one was 280 days in length, but was sadly cut short to due to broken tailbone and bulged discs. You have to wonder, could he have gone on to beat the Honky Tonk Man's record reign if such injuries had not befallen him? Um, would you agree with that, Mike? Absolutely. For for me, now, I've, I've, been, I've been watching wrestling since I was just you know, a little, little kid. I remember actually going to see uh, WrestleMania. My dad took me to, to the, uh, the Spectrum to see WrestleMania 1 on Closed Circuit TV. Oh wow! Really? Yeah. So I mean, I was just you know, a, a, a little guy. So I old my kids, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really talk. I can't really talk. So I'll retract that statement for fear of getting um, <laughs> stuff. So, so I, I've seen all these guys perform, but when I don't think about it, and I just use my my heart of hearts, Mister Perfect was always my Intercontinental Champion. When you know. When I just have nostalgia, for me, the first thing I think of when it comes to an intercontinental, it might not be the best one, but for me, when I just you know reminisce and I think about uh, Intercontinental Championship feud, it, it's always Mr. Perfect versus the Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Erich, and that for me was always the you know as a child when I you know like I said if I just you know go on the wayback machine and, and I think about with my heart of hearts. That is what I always remember. So, Mister Perfect, absolutely, there is a is a great choice for number one on this list. Um, also, the, the the second the second title reign after he won it back from Kerry Von Erich, you know, was the longer reign, and the fact that he had to uh, he had to drop the title to Brett um, at that WrestleMania. He you know he was bruised and broken. And you know, really, basically, just gave Brett the match because he had so much respect for him. Mm-hmm. So you know, it just shows what you know what a class guy he was on on top of being such a great performer. Okay, okay, cool. Um, I, that's the first time I've actually heard that you are actually you know watching WrestleMania. I don't think I actually got into WrestleMania until um, probably WrestleMania seven or eight. So that was whenever I started getting out. Just shows you how youthful I am. <laughs> I can't even say that without laughing. Um, but that was probably my first experience. So um, probably my first Intercontinental match that I saw was Piper versus Bret Hart. 
um, which obviously why um, when Alan was saying that about uh, Piper, you know, that um, just the even the promo before that, you know, whenever Piper says, you know, I used to love to come down, you know, your mum used to slap on the bologna, and I'd be, only one slice of bologna, it doesn't matter, and <laughs> then they kind of spar off, and says, keep your hands to yourself, I would have had you, no, you wouldn't have, um, but uh, on the segue of that there, have you actually listened to Roddy Piper's podcast at all? No, I haven't had a chance yet, I do have it, uh, I have it downloaded, but I haven't had a chance to sit in there and listen to it yet. It is fantastic because it's just him basically telling a lot of old wrestling stories. Like a couple of them I'd heard from like his um, DVD and stuff, but um, hour and a half or whatever of just pure entertainment. And he actually answered one of my Twitter questions as well, which was um, uh, very, very nice of him. And I think that was maybe the only Twitter question he actually answered on that episode because he got so wind up and, you know, telling different stories about this and that. He was telling the story about the. Um, you know, whenever he painted himself half black, <laughs> and then the solution to that, and just rubbing, I'm bleeding, and things like that. But it was just if if you are a wrestling fan, which you should be for listening to this, go and check out. Just type in um, Rod Pod or Rod Podcast. It's part of the Toad Hop Network, I think it is. So once you find that bracket, it's under there somewhere. Sorry, Mike. Carry on. <laughs> uh, next list we have is from KJ Tremaine. And he gives us number five, Mr. Perfect. Number four, Shawn Michaels. Number three, Brett the Hitman Hart. Number two, Macho Man Randy Savage. And number one, Chris Jericho. Is this the first time we've this seen Jericho? This is the Jericho first time honestly? we've seen Jericho. Yeah. Uh-huh. The guy who's actually won it the most? Yeah, nine times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, my goodness, how those days are gone now. Um, obviously, he's moved up a little bit since then. Um, but... Um, I, I'll not give my thoughts to Chris Jericho until later on. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. Um, but I think that's a pretty strong list from Mr. Tremaine. Um, so we'll move on to the next one, which is Stephen Wilson, one of my old um, friends from around this neck of the woods um, that we actually used to play, what was it, WWF? Steel Cage on the NES, if memory serves. That was one of our games we used to play. Um, this is a tough one. As any wrestler worth his salt has gone from Intercontinental Champion to WWE Champion, except Kurt Henning. So rather than select best future WWE Champ, I selected the five best reigns, in my opinion, based on their own merit alone. Good job. Uh, number five, Ultimate Warrior. Could he wrestle? No. Were his matches any good? No. <laughs> when you were eight years old, was he the best thing ever? Yes, and I could watch that honky tonk match, honky tonk man, SummerSlam segment over and over again. I'm sure our previous guests would not uh, appreciate that at all, Stephen. <laughs> um, number four, Bret Hart, two reigns, flawless title matches against Perfect and Roddy Piper. Um, I think it's the match uh, SummerSlam '91 where he wins it, wins it from Perfect. Mm. Um, that's just. Uh, an awesome match even Brett says you know that's um, I think um, Kurt had a real back problem and um, managed to put him over that's one thing that never ceases to me is me is like whenever they have like these injuries like back problems and you see them flipping around and you know whacking in the ring posts and stuff yeah, it's and, crazy yeah yeah it's absolutely absolutely crazy um Number three, Jeff Hardy finally got his chance to prove that he could carry gold on his own and put on great matches with everyone he wrestled. I've never been the biggest Jeff Hardy fan. I actually always preferred Matt Hardy, but I think if you look at things now, Jeff Hardy is more sane of the Hardy Boy brothers. 
That's pretty sad. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> uh, I, like that. I like the way that's pretty sad, but we'll just laugh. Um, <laughs> number two, Razor Ramon. Four time title reigns. Ladder match with Shawn Michaels for the belt. Now, that's the first time that Stevens actually, or Stevens said this. Obviously, that's the first time he said it because it's the only time, but first time that anyone's mentioned about the ladder match at WrestleMania 10 um, for the Intercontinental Championship. Um, I think would it be fair to say I I can't really remember Mike, but would that be the the last time that the Intercontinental Championship is in such a big match? Yeah, I mean that was really you know a a main event match. It, you know, it's usually not featured so. Really, if you if you look back at at that card, that was the, you know the match of the card. And the, the fact that you know it, they really did steal the show, and it, it was just such a great match. Uh, you know, I, I believe that there was a um, there was a, a mat a ladder match between Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart before this. But, yeah. But this is the first ladder match I remember. Mm-hmm. You know that I actually remember seeing, and just completely sticks out in your mind. And um, the first time I really ever saw a, a match of of that of that type. And I think they really. This is another match that really puts the IC title in a picture of that. You know, it's a it's a big deal. And like I said, that's kind of my idea of the, where the IC title should be. If you really ask me, I think that they should just do away with the world title, or you know, maybe just at least unify it with the WWE title now that there's no longer a brand split, and put that IC title, you know, into that spot to where. You know, you're kind of like wh- whoever holds the, the the IC title really should be the number two guy in the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or whether you have like at Night of Champions, you know, have the World Heavyweight Champion or the WWE Champion versus the Intercontinental Champion, and then you know the other one, like the person who has the US Champion, have that versus the other person. To, uh, try and bring back a more prestige to the belt because at the minute it's only the WWE and the World Heavyweight Championship that means something, and the rest of them don't the tag team ones, I mean, there was on the Money in the Bank pay-per-view that R-Truth and Kofi Kingston were the world tag team champions, but they wrestled on the pre-show. I yeah, came and, out and to do commentary. See, I don't get that. It, it, and they had, you know, the, the primetime players ended up having a match you know, on the actual card. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why would you have your champions wrestle the dark match if you were still going to have a tag team title, or a tag team match on the actual card. That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. If you're going to have a tight team match on the card, have the champions in it. You know, with yeah. their bright, shiny penny belts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, they're awful looking. Awful. Um, <laughs> I think the World Heavyweight Championship and the IC Championship are the only two belts that I kind of actually like the look of. You know, obviously the World Heavyweight Championship so much so that I actually have a replica belt of it. Um, the WWE Spinner Belt. Moving on, uh, <laughs> um, Stevens' number one pick is Chris Jericho. Nine reigns, including a three-way rivalry with Kurt Angle and AN other wrestler. I wonder who that could be. In the early 2000s, endless entertaining matches and interviews. Um, I think that's always something that Chris Jericho has been really good at is... Like Shawn Michaels, it's really, really hard to pick out, you know, if you were to pick out, like, Ultimate Warrior, could he wrestle? No. Could you list a couple of bad matches with him? Yes, you could. Could you do the same with Chris Jericho? No. 
Could you see him as all Michaels? No. Um, the, you know, Chris Jericho for me has always been one of my favourite wrestlers. Um, I wasn't really familiar th- with him though whenever he actually came into the WWE, um, you know, um, from WCW because I never really watched WCW. If I could go back in time, I would love to watch the Monday Night Wars, you know, that kind of thing because obviously mm-hmm. that's what we kind of tried to do whenever there was the the new Monday Night War which lasted of all about I don't know maybe two weeks between <laughs> WWE and TNA and um, Mike do you have any idea who won that war it's it's eluding me TNA what's that okay um, so WWE that, I think that was fair test, to say testing well. Albert <laughs> uh, yes yeah that's <laughs> that's that's fine total non-stop action um yeah, maybe, maybe so, maybe not. Uh, you know, but uh, that's just uh, the cards that you're dealt, whether they're aces or eights. You know, so haha. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I totally agree with um, Stephen's pick for number one there. I will move on to Josh Crane. Um, as the starts with no uh, number five, Triple H, the game, the King of Kings, adds to the history of this title. Number four, Pat Patterson, first champion, so must so a must have for me. Number three, Shawn Michaels, the Heartbreak Kid established this title, so well done to him. Number two, Bret Hart, one of the reasons the belt is what it is. And number one, Cody Rhodes. For this day, well, he made the belt classic and worth winning after so many bad champions before him, and he changed it and reminded us of what it was and what and that and that it still is, and changed the title to the classic. Hashtag yes, yes, yes. I'm so, uh, I'm so getting annoyed with this yes, yes, yes chant. It's not even funny. <laughs> <laughs> I really am. I really am. Uh, but yeah, it was um, good to see Cody Rhodes in the list. And obviously, that, um, uh, Josh put in uh, Pat Patterson, which obviously was the first IC champion. You know, you get that uh, battered around a lot. Um, but, um, you know, hats off to him. I don't really remember much of him wrestling you know I don't for think that. I, I ever th- saw him wrestle yeah I think it's on the greatest intercontinental championship champions of all time DVD uh, I think if, uh, it's him versus Teddy Biasi if memory serves um, but it's some of the older matches like that I really don't want to watch um, <laughs> but uh, no kudos to Josh for putting that on um, for putting him in there um, and, and I, I agree with Cody Rhodes Really bringing the prestige back to the uh, back to the title, even going so far as to actually bringing the old title back. You know, to me that was really a, a nice, classy thing to see. I really wish that they would have let him hold on to the title longer. You know, regardless of the fact that he lost it to the <clears throat> Big Show at, at WrestleMania. Oh, uh, I wish they had that. Uh, oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, big, same way as Mick Foley is mine. The big slow. <laughs> if I really thought they were going to have him win Money in the Bank, to me, it doesn't make sense to have him drop the IC title if they weren't going to put him, you know, uh, into the main into the main event picture right away after that. Because if if they were just going to, you know, kind of just have him uh, you know, move on from the title and not move up from the title I don't see why there was any harm in just keeping the title on him to, to me it, it really would have if no at, at this point what are we talking about if he, he had held the belt for 230 something days yeah 
you know, if he still had the title, you know, he'd be, you know, in in, in the three hundreds now, and you'd be talking about him, you know, inching close. You know, you, he might even have a honkometer. but then you could have him hold the belt for so long Sheamus has held the belt since Wrestlemania Punk's held the belt since Survivor Series so you could almost have like a thing there like a uh, rivalry of who would see who would hold the belt the longest but um, I totally agree with you that they should have kept the belt on Rhodes but Rhodes brought some prestige back to that could he do the same for the US title see I have a hard time with guys working their way back down the card. I, for, for me, it's kind of sometimes hard to swallow when a guy that at one point held the WWE Championship or the World Title Championship, you know, when, when they then wrestle for the IC title, it, to me, that almost devalues the title. Yeah. It, it's, you know, I, I, once you move past the IC title, I think it's kind of like a point of no return in, in just the, the way that I look at it. Like I, I, you must really love Jack Swagger then. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna be wrestling for the Divas Championship soon. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him <laughs> with his new hairdo. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, to, like to have the Big Show win the IC title at WrestleMania. I don't. Other than the fact that he, you know, it it it, it gave him his WrestleMania moment and and you know all that you know hunky dory stuff. I don't really see what that did for him. You know, I, I don't really think that that you know put a you know a shining star on on, on his career because now he's you know moving back up. I guess I guess from there he moved back up the card because now they put him into a, a feud with Cena and oh, yeah, you know and and we we all know that that, that Cena has to end, you know he's got to be the main event. You know the title when when you know when was the last time that the title was actually the the main event of the card. Mm, true. Yeah, like a WrestleMania 28, for example. I mean, you know, for for me, I I don't care if it's Cena, if it's if it's Hogan, who it is. The whole point is, the whole goal of everyone in that company, and the whole point of the show is to be the champion. So to me, the championship should always be the end goal. It should be the main event of of the show. I, I can understand like where we have. Um, in terms of breaking up a pay-per-view, I, I don't have a problem with if you're going to have a world title match and a WWE title match. If you, you know, if you start the show with the uh, with, with the heavy with the world heavyweight title, that's fine. You know, just because you you can't go with the you know the just in uh, in terms of keeping the crowd hot, you can't necessarily burn them all out at the end so that they have nothing left for the WWE title match. That's fine, but. I, I just don't understand why at every single pay-per-view Cena has to be the last match and he's not in the title picture. Well, now now he is. But, I mean, for the last, God, probably seven or eight pay-per-views in a row, he, he, he's got to be Cena at the end. And, you know, I just don't... I, I don't get it. For, like I said, isn't the whole point that you want to win the title? That's the one thing that I really loved about the Miz's title reign was the fact that he always put the title front and center. 
It was yeah. always about even even when he lost the title, you know, he he would always come out and and, and talk about you know how he was you know. The, the, yeah, the, the must see W the the must most must see WWE champion of all time. Exactly. Even though he didn't have the belt around his waist, he was still putting the belt over. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like I said, you know, I I, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand that. Okay, fair enough. And that's um, the list but, of things I don't understand. <laughs> okay. Um, I know you don't watch SmackDown. You didn't watch it there on Friday, did you? I did not see this week's SmackDown. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll catch it here and there. Um, yeah, because Cody Rhodes had a really good match with Sheamus, which would almost make you think of why don't they put him in the title picture? Because, uh, yes, folks, at the time of recording this, it is the end of July. By the time this airs, you know, some of the stuff that we may have talked about may not be uh, relevant like that match, but then Cody Rhodes may be in a match at SummerSlam or something. Who knows? <laughs> um, so... Um, he had a really good match, you know, I was actually talking to Chris Hill, Mr. Big Red 1990, about Cody Rhodes and that it's a case of he doesn't seem to be progressing as much as Dolph Ziggler is uh, I know we're going way off topic here but bear with us um, we'll, uh, we may go back to an IC champion in a minute um, but he had a really good match with Sheamus you know, obviously um, with Dolph Ziggler winning Money in the Bank Shoot, I should have said spoilers just in case anyone hasn't seen that from like a month ago. Um, but Cody Rhodes isn't as prevalent on like Raw, you know, like you see him more on SmackDown, which I'd like to see him more on Raw. I was kind of surprised that we didn't see him on Raw 1000 with like a backstage segment with like his dad and Teddy Biassi with his dad or something along those kind of lines. That would have um, been cool. Yeah, um, but. Uh, I just want to see him progress more and to get a title shot you know I don't want them to wait until the money in the bank again uh, and try and win I want to see him get a title shot on his own merit see I I didn't like the fact that when they had the raw money in the bank uh, uh, match it was you know all past uh, WWE champions I really would have liked to in in a, a best case scenario I would have liked to see Cody Rhodes win one money in the bank and Dolph Ziggler win the other Mm-hmm. You know, and and then you've got, you, you you've got a title picture that you haven't already seen. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is that I would prefer to see people who haven't had a real shot of the title, or maybe you've only had like one shot. You know, I don't want to see John Cena who's had multiple shots at the title. I don't want to see John Cena versus CM Punk again. You know, it's like it was like whenever we were force fed John Cena and Randy Orton, and they had to actually say on I think it was Raw for the last time ever will be John Cena versus Randy Orton. Great, because I'm <laughs> fed up. I'm fed up saying it. Um, but I totally agree with w- what you're saying. Is that you know, put somebody in the title picture who hasn't had a shot, and somebody who, who because. I mean, the whole prospect of a Dolph Ziggler to Chris Jericho feud really excites me. And the prospect of seeing another Del Rio Sheamus match doesn't excite me. Exactly. You know, it, it would be. It's just nice to, ha- to see some fresh things. When, when, you have a, when you have feuds that become stagnant, the whole product tends to become stagnant. Uh, so it, it's nice to it would be nice to see some some new blood infused into some of these title pictures. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm 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 happy. See, it's like a double edged sword a bit. 
Because it is nice the fact that Cena hasn't been in the title picture for so long. But when Cena's not in the title picture for so long, the title picture isn't the main event. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, six, one, half dozen, the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, after that uh, little tirade from Mike and myself, we'll move on to what we're here to... Oh, yes, Intercontinental Champions. Um, so, next one is from Pablo Mosquero. Um, and Pablo writes, Hi, guys. So cool you continue with the fan support. Tonight I'm watching No Way Out. That's how far back this goes, by the way, folks. Let's see how it goes. Hopefully, you were happy enough with that, um, Pablo. Here's my list. Number five, Don Morocco classic number four tito santana i'm against bullfighting but just for his um torero outfit he should be on the list okay (laughs) yeah uh number three cody rhodes great how he's given the title the importance it deserves two umaga miss him and number one is booker t just love this guy especially whenever he became king booker and appeared with a crown throne charmel and all he was just hilarious and he says, love to contribute to this awesome show in the awesome PCN. Keep it up. So, thank you very much for that, Pablo. Uh, Booker T, uh, again, not somebody that I remember with the IC title. No, he, he, for, for me, he's always synonymous with uh, bringing in the WCW title mm-hmm. in, 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 into the picture. But uh, another one where that, that title came in and got immediately devalued. Yeah. Yeah, true. Uh, it's just a case of, oh, Triple H, here you go. You just have that. Uh, you don't need to wrestle for it. Thanks, Bischoff. Yeah. Uh. All right, so next we come up with uh, Kurt Carty. It says, hey, WrestleShock crew, you guys do a great podcast, and it's, that's easily found its way into my regular listening rotation. Well, thank you, Kurt. Yes, thanks, Kurt. <laughs> it's true, it's true. Here's my list of the wrestlers who would make my top five intercontinental champions. Number five, The Rock. The Rock is one of those performers I've only I've only ever liked when he was being a heel. I hated the babyface Rock, so I really enjoyed The Rock's run during his IC days. One of the most entertaining workers of the Attitude Era, for sure. I tend to agree with that. I, I'm mm-hmm. I'm a big I'm a big Rock Mark, um, but he was always better as a heel, and especially during I, I really in, in some ways the IC feud with Austin is more of my favorite than the WWE feud, uh, the WWE title feud with Austin. You know, with, with the whole Austin throwing the belt, you know, over the bridge and, and all that. Yeah. You know, to me, that was that was the, uh, you can't go wrong with Austin and The Rock, but for me, that was the better feud of the two. Uh, number four, coming in with Ravishing Rick Rude. Like all great Intercontinental Champions, Rude combined awesome ring work with great charisma and mic work. Even Rude's squash matches were fun to watch because of the pre-match routine with getting all of the fat stupid out of shape, insert city name here slobs, to sit down and shut up while he showed their women what a real man looked like. <laughs> this is obviously the first time we've had him on the list and The Rock. Ravishing Rick Rude, obviously, for me, will be... I remember him most from his feud with uh, Jake Roberts um, and Warrior um, because I remember DiBiase saying that Rick Rude really had to pull out all the stops to get a decent match out of the Ultimate Warrior. Um, so I don't really remember an awful lot about his IC reign. Do you remember much about that, Mike? The thing I remember most uh, about Rick Rude is is the trunks. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I really... 
his his feud with uh with 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 Roberts was a good one, but for me, hit. The most distinctive feud that he had was, in, in, in my eyes, was for the Intercontinental title uh, against the Ultimate Warrior. So that's where, uh, that's where you know, when I say the, the, that the Warrior had a, uh, a, a really impressive run and really made, you know, carried some weight with the title, uh, this is kind of that same time period uh, where, where he was feuding with Rick Rude. So number three on, on uh, Kurt's list is Owen Hart. By far the most entertaining of the Hart brothers to watch and maybe one of the most entertaining wrestlers, period. Not a whole lot more you can say about Owen Hart than that there. No. Number two, Kurt Angle. I was set to hate the Olympic hero after seeing his initial, vi- uh, initial vignettes that seemed to be building him up as an uber babyface. But when he made his actual debut and proved himself to be an arrogant tool... Who could <laughs> who could back up his three eyes with great in-ring ability? I was a fan right away. And number one, Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning. Tough to choose between Angle and Henning, but I got to go with the perfect one. Both Kurts have the same wrestle, have have the wrestling ability and the charisma, but the Kurt with the C was always a sentimental nostalgia factor for me. That's uh, that's probably one of the very str- um, the strongest lists that we've actually had, um, due to the fact that you know it's people we haven't really seen uh, on the list, you know, like Owen Hart and stuff. But um, really strong list there, um, Kurt. So thanks for that. Um, your your thoughts there, Mike? Yeah, uh, you know, like like I said with uh, the Rock, the Rock, it's. Like I said, my my favorite feud w- w- with uh, with The Rock was is was Austin. Whether it was for the WWE title or for the IC title, but I don't really recognize The Rock for his IC reigns. It was more for the for the heavyweight uh, title reigns. Same thing with you know like Austin and and, and Triple H and um, you know we've seen already some people on on, on people's list uh, put in Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. For me. Though they all had great intercontinental title reigns, for me they're all synonymous with the with with the heavyweight title picture. Okay, fair enough. Uh, oh, excuse me, while I choke my own saliva here. <laughs> um, the next one is from a good friend of mine, Rory Bradfield, um, who's a regular contributor to the show. So thank you, Rory. Keep it up. Uh, Rory actually lives down in Dublin, so I will have to trek down some time and uh, meet Mr. Bradfield. Um, Roy writes, hi again, Chris and Mike. Another great piece of homework set by you guys. I'm sure, Chris, you in particular won't be surprised by my number one. Uh, No, I won't be. (laughs) Here's my picks from five to one. So obviously he listens to the show and sees how it works. Number five is Razor Ramon. Number four, Shawn Michaels. All the fake belt business, which is the WrestleMania 10 ladder match. Number three, the Honky Tonk Man. This guy has to be here purely for the length of time they had it from June 1987 until SummerSlam 88. Number two, Bret Hart. And number one, of course, the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, Mr. Perfect, uh, which he held two times, the first time for four months, April 90, until SummerSlam 90, then regained it in December 90, and very kindly gave it to Bret Hart in SummerSlam 1991. Apparently, it was a late birthday present for the Hitman's birthday in July. Bret thought Henning forgot, so he ripped Perfect's tights. That's a little (laughs) bit of trivia for you that I actually wasn't um, aware of. 
Um, so, um, do you want to do you want to read the next one, or uh, will I? Since it's kind of oh, riddled with. Okay, so the next one is from David Waters. Um, he says, "Dear Mr. Ventomania, so I must be watching my YouTube channel. I just watched your vid. I'm going to. He's put in text speak, so I'm kind of have to." put this into proper sentences I just watched your video um, the review for the Bobby Heenan DVD it was good I loved his Hall of Fame speech but I don't know if you already had this discussion but here are my top five intercontinental champions of all time number five is uh, the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels number four is Kurt Henning number three is Pat Patterson number two is Tito Santana and number one is the Honky Tonk Man I mean how do you like those names lots of question marks thanks Dave so, uh, how do you like those <laughs> names, Mike? Oh, they're all good names. All names that we've uh, that we've discussed earlier in in in, in the show. So, uh, if you want to go on with the last one, and then we shall do our own lists. And our last list of the evening comes from Lewis Oldham. So, uh, hey, Chris and Mike, it's Lewis, aka Mister Lee Waldo ninety five from YouTube. Just thought I would contribute to your podcast with my top five intercontinental champions of all time. So here goes, going from five to one, which is the way we do it on the show. Number five is Jeff Hardy. Number four, Ric Flair. Woo! Ow, ears. <laughs> the ultimate warrior. Number two, the Viper, Randy Orton. And number one, Shelton Benjamin. A bit unorthodox, but when I think of the IC title, these are some of the first guys that come to my mind. For me, when I say intercontinental title, I immediately think of Shelton, of Shelton Benjamin. Benjamin. To me, that is, that is his title. Thanks for the opportunity to contribute to your podcast. Kind regards, Lewis James Oldham. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, Randy Orton, again, and Shelton Benjamin and Ric Flair, all not on anyone's list apart from um, Lewis's. So um, I totally forgot about Orton with the IC title. Um, obviously, he had... One of um, my favorite matches with Orton, believe it or not, was whenever he fought Mick Foley for the IC title. Um, I can't remember what pay-per-view it was at, um, but it was one where he gets thrown in the thumbtacks and stuff. Ah, okay. Uh, I think it was Backlash, but I'm not sure what year. Maybe. Um, it's maybe after... It was maybe after WrestleMania 20? Maybe it was, after, maybe it was WrestleMania... Yeah. So it'd be backlash two thousand and four, maybe. I'm not <laughs> sure. <here>. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We're so on the ball with um, the things here, folks. So, um, right, uh, Mike, we're going to do things a little differently this time. I'd like you to read out your list and kind of why you put um, the people on on your list. Um, if there were certain matches or anything that really stand out for you, uh, all the way five to one. Yes. Okay. For me, number five was Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning. Uh, for uh, the very reason I stated before, you know, when, uh, when, when I think back with my heart, he really is the intercontinental champion that, that I see. <laughs> Get it? Is that a problem? Because <laughs> <laughs> if it is, that was pure genius. <laughs> uh, for me, number four was Chris Jericho, simply for the amount of the, the, the sheer number of reigns that he's had with, with this title. He is kind of the opposite of what I said earlier with Triple H and, and The Rock and HBK and those guys. For me, even though he's held the, the, the highest title, you know, the fact that he was the first, uh, you know, ever unified title, uh, unified champion, 
for me, Jericho always rings true with the Intercontinental title for me. Um, that's where I see him. I see him in that IC picture. Um, I see him not, no, no. He's kind of a tweener where he can do both. And I don't think that going from the top and taking that step back really does too much to hurt him. Um, kind of the opposite uh, of what I said earlier about the big show. Um, I, I think that he kind of is the guy that can go back and forth and it really doesn't, it, it doesn't hurt his legacy too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, number three was the Honky Tonk Man. Um, just the sheer duration uh, of, of this title reign. Was it the best title reign? No, because a lot of times he won through disqualification or count out or, you know, just uh, j- just being a heel champion. Um, but the simple fact that he held on to the title for that long, you know, really cemented that... Um, Really cemented the the fact that that was a, a prestigious title, uh, a prestigious title to hold. You, you couldn't, well, you know, whether uh, whether he had to cheat or not, it was you know you couldn't pry that title from his hands for sixty four weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, to me that really does that that really does mean a lot. Number two uh, is the Ultimate Warrior, for the exact reason that I said earlier that he he was the only Intercontinental Championship uh, champion holder that could stand toe-to-toe with the heavyweight champion. You, you know, even though he was the, the IC title holder and Hogan was the heavyweight title holder, they were really, at that point, number one and number one A. You know, yeah. you know they, they really kind of... It was the first time that, it, you know, in, in, in my time of being a wrestling fan that two guys of that stature were in, in the company at the exact same time and it, it, everybody you were either a, 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 a generally either a warrior fan or a Hogan fan Hogan <laughs> I was a Hogan fan as well um, but the, the, the sheer fact that he had the Intercontinental title he walked into Wrestlemania 6 and he walked out holding both belts you know that that really lends some some swag to that title. Mm-hmm. And for me, number one was the Macho Man, Randy Savage. He had everything. The, the, the whole total package. Um, not Lex Luger. Though he is in great <laughs> shape. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Buffalo. Uh, the simple fact that, that on the mic, he, he was, is, is one of the best. In the ring, he's absolutely one of the best um, and, and like I said earlier that he used his title reign to go you know to go in and really use it as a springboard to make that next step at, at Wrestlemania 4 and take the tu- you know the WWE title and add that to his resume um, the simple fact of the matter that he took it was the really the first time at Wrestlemania 3 that the IC title really stole the show and was you know the match of the card? Yeah, you know going into WrestleMania three, it was all about you know Hogan and, and Andre, but coming out of WrestleMania three, it was like oh my god, you know, did you see you know we you know did you see the little guys really you know take over the show and and do all the things that they that they did? Because back then it was all about you know the big guys, you know Hogan the yeah. Giant. It was all about the you know. Uh, the the true heavyweights, 
Mm-hmm. Whereas and, that match will be remembered forever. Whereas that power slam will be remembered forever. Is the way I look at it. Exactly. It was really the first time that you could showcase, you know, high flying, and, and say that you know, hey, this could be a main event. It, it kind of was a. It changed the landscape and paved the way for guys like Shawn Michaels. And, and you know, before before Randy Savage held the WWF title. You would never you you couldn't even think of a, a smaller guy like HBK or Bret Hart or or those guys holding that title. It was always going to be Hogan or a, a guy similar to the Ultimate Warrior. You know the big muscle bound guys. So you know Macho Man really truly you know was a pioneer in in that respect. And his title reign with the Intercontinental Title really was a big factor in that. Okay. Sweet. Um, awesome list there. Um, I've just had a late substitution on my list, which I'll say in a minute. So number four for me is the Honky Tonk Man. Um, just due to the fact that, um, you know, the amount, the amount of time he had for the belt, as you just said, Mike. Um, obviously, unfortunately, I probably remember him more for actually um, losing the belt than actually defending it. And, you know, whenever he actually won the belt, um, I don't really remember a lot of that. But... Um, honestly, he's done something right for being remembered so many years on as the the longest reigning intercontinental champion of all time, or the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, as obviously said in our podcast. Um, number four is Roddy Piper. Um, I think Piper won this from the Mountie um, before WrestleMania eight. Um, Piper's finishing move was the sleeper, so I just remember him putting the sleeper on. As we discussed earlier on, going into WrestleMania with Bret Hart, um, you know, the lead up to the match. Um, would it be safe to say, Mike, in your opinion, would this be one of Piper's greatest matches against Bret Hart? Yeah, I thought I thought it was really great. If, if he was actually he, if it was probably number six on 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 my list. Uh, so when <laughs> when uh, when Alan had him on on his list, it was like you know, cha-ching. <laughs> so yeah, uh, the WrestleMania match is definitely, other you know, other than his his matches with Hogan, just because I was such a huge Hogan mark. Um, so I, I you know when I was a little kid, you know, every Hogan match was a great match. <laughs> yeah, it's like looking back with uh with rose tinted glasses. Um, but now being able to go back as an adult and being able to really appreciate you know Piper's career uh, yeah I, I think that was his crowning moment uh, was his match with, with Brett at Wrestlemania 8 okay so obviously he was my favourite you know going into Wrestlemania match um, a late substitution number 3 was meant to be Bret Hart but with SummerSlam fast approaching I then thought British Bulldog um, obviously the um, SummerSlam 1992 happened in London not far from you know, Northern Ireland. So um, that match, I remember going to a friend's house and a big bunch of us sitting down and watching that and watching Bulldog win, uh, win the match. Um, I thought it was absolutely fantastic match. It's still one that I can watch um, to this day. Um, obviously, uh, Bulldog would then lose um, the belt later on um, to Shawn Michaels, and that's wherever Shawn Michaels starts getting the IC run again um, but I just thought this was a fantastic match from beginning to end obviously there was the thing to do with a 
Diana Hartsmith, you know, uh, David Bowie's wife, uh, Brett's, um, isn't it Brett's sister? Yeah, mm-hmm. Brett's sister. Yeah. Um, and the, that whole dynamic. Um, I just really enjoyed this pay-per-view. I really enjoyed that match. Again, this had more... I don't think... Was it? I don't think that the WWF match was actually on this card. Because I remember Macho Man was fighting the Warrior for who was... Or maybe... Now maybe that was the WWF match because it was something to do with Ric Flair. Anyway, the IC title ma- ma- went on last because it was in David Boy's hometown. So that had a big, you know... We kind of brought it back into the play again because obviously WrestleMania 10 you had the ladder match kind of as we talked about earlier on that was kind of the match of the show this was will be for what SummerSlam 92 um, is remembered for that and Legion of Doom coming down the ring on bikes <laughs> in some way shape um, and obviously Animal getting off the wrong side and uh, burning part of his leg or something <laughs> um so that would be my number three. Number two is Mr. Perfect. Um, again, we we're talking about earlier on his match with uh, Bret Hart at the SummerSlam '91. Um, I love Mr. Perfect with Bobby Heenan. Um, I thought Bobby Heenan, you know, not that Mr. Perfect wasn't a great talker. Normally, you get a manager if you can't really talk, you know, an awful lot. You know, say like Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar, for example. There's a perfect fit for you because whenever you look at Brock Lesnar, you don't expect that voice to come out of that. <laughs> that brick brick brock um you don't expect that um so um i just thought those two were great together um his ic titles um matches were always fantastic again not very many matches that mr perfect had um were very drab or boring um even whenever he came back at 2002 uh, I was in, was one of the last um, four or five in the Royal Rumble. I uh, went that on to have some matches with like Edge, Austin, things like that. So um, really enjoyed that. And number one is Chris Jericho. Um, just the the sheer amount of times that man has had the the belt. It's like whenever we did the tag team, obviously Edge, Christian, uh, Hardy Boys, and Dudley Boys were all kind of meshed together. Mm-hmm the IC title is kind of synonymous with Chris Jericho due to the amount of times that he's actually won the belt um, was it around that time did he have the belt whenever he had the mask match against Mysterio it was like mask versus title yes yeah so yeah that was another I'm not a big Rey Mysterio well I can't really say big and Rey Mysterio in the same sense <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a big Rey Mysterio fan but his feud with Jericho kind of um was a feud that I really wanted to see very much like the Cody Rhodes Rey Mysterio feud um, at WrestleMania 24 um, was really good as well I enjoyed that feud immensely um, but just this year might you know went in at, at WrestleMania 2000 you know Kurt Angle losing both his belts um, and then just you know having so many title runs with it um, was just fantastic um, Obviously, Bret Hart would be on the list, but I just thought I'd be a bit different. I had a name on that somebody hadn't, which was the British Bulldog. So, that's that's my list. Thoughts, Mister Lacey? No, it's a it's a it's a great list. Um, the the Bulldog. I I always tend to I always tend to think of the Bulldog with with the Dynamite Kid. For for oh, right, okay. you know, for for me, it was always the. 
kind of like um like kind of like not with the uh, man in great shape, <laughs> Lex Luger, Allied Powers. <laughs> well, it's kind of like DX for you know for for some people DX is just uh just Triple H and HBK, and for other people like myself, it's everyone all together. For for me, I always tend to think of the British Bulldogs as the as the tag team, um, one of the greatest tag teams, and uh, so. Don't get me wrong, he was very good as as a singles competitor, but for whatever reason, when I think of Davy Boy Smith, I, I think of you know him and the Dynamite Kid together as the British Bulldogs. Okay, cool. Um, Mike, do you want to tease what we're going to do? Um, what we're going to do on the next episode? Well, we are getting ready to head into the month of August, and that means it's time for SummerSlam. So the next episode is going to be a SummerSlam preview show, um, and we'd like to have you maybe submit some of your favorite uh, SummerSlam matches, uh, your favorite SummerSlam moments, and um, we know we'll probably review the uh, the card going into uh, into the pay per view. We may even have a, a special guest, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Uh, I have. Um got in contact with said person um, to see if they would be willing to do that but um, has not replied. Um, obviously uh, at the time of recording this we only have one match announced which was uh, Triple H versus Brock Lesnar. If the match if the card is a bit thread bare um, I think what we may even do is do two parts. Um, do like our favourite SummerSlam memories that kind of thing um, very much similar to the WrestleMania one if, um, whenever you're familiar with that Mike you know that the guys from TWS came on, mm-hmm. kind of went over, you know, like um, our favorite match. What's not our favorite match? Undertaker versus Undertaker would spring to mind. <laughs> um, uh, moments like that, and then go for the card. What we are, our thoughts are, and what we can see happening after SummerSlam, because it's always been one of the big four events. Uh, something that it's been, um, you know, like I can remember a lot of SummerSlam moments. I've just. Uh, said one to do with the British Bulldogs so um, yeah if you want to send in any uh, any memories any matches um, yes Rory you can send in your Mr. Perfect match from <laughs> SummerSlam 1991 don't worry um, or Tom if there's any uh, outlandish matches like Undertaker vs Undertaker you like you can send them in to vinto316 at gmail.com or if you want to indeed send them to Mike you can do that by emailing Mike at his email address which is MikeLacy91 at yahoo.com okay so um, thanks once again Mike it's been nice to actually sit down and talk to you for uh, about an hour and a quarter it's been a while since we've actually sat down and had a bit of a discussion going on uh, just you and me um, Mike obviously did a fantastic job on the um, an episode of the Geek Hacks radio with uh, TFG1 Mike talking about the latest Mattel situation with the Master Universe Classic line um probably the only topic uh, probably the only podcast I've listened to or the only area that I've listened to um, regarding that subject matter because quite frankly I'm getting a bit sick to death of it um, <laughs> just the uh, constant oh please I'm not going to get even get into it because <laughs> I'll just start dragging the podcast down but Mike thanks once again um, obviously we do work on other areas and you're on other means that people can get in touch with you so feel free to promote that sir and thank you once again oh uh, well it's always a ton of fun uh, they've had a uh, a couple of really really good guests keeping my chair warm over the last couple of uh, episodes there uh, with a couple of reviews with uh, Mr. Uh, Chris Hill and Martin Sines. 
So good work to the two, two you two gentlemen. Um, we have a little uh, project. It's called What the Shell Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Podcast with both the two of your two of your hosts here on WrestleShock, along with Dylan Cook and Sween Halleck, and we talk everything and anything Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So you can come over and take a listen to us there. Um, we are we are on Twitter. Uh, the Twitter handle for What the Shell is at TMNT Shell. Uh, you can also follow me, which is at M Lacey L A C E Y ninety one, and take a listen. You'll enjoy it. Yeah, so you can head over to uh, www.whattheshell.podbean.com. Um, we're trying to get stuff out to do with the new show that's coming out, but unfortunately, we were scheduled to do it today. But um, Mr. Sween Halleck's electricity went out and stuff we had some storms or whatever, so we decided to do this instead. So um, we'll try and crank out a couple more episodes for you. We've got like uh, one coming up to do with um, the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles live action film, um, which is with Michelle Ivey. Um, you would have heard her. Um, interview on the last episode um, so yeah make sure to check that out so once again thanks to Mike um, for popping on and uh, make sure to send in your SummerSlam memories and uh, thanks to everyone who sent in the greatest intercontinental champions of all time more reviews hopefully more interviews and more discussion heading your way soon so thanks for listening and goodbye <clears throat> for 2012 I dreamed again of making the Olympic team in freestyle wrestling. Unfortunately, an injury got my way. But guess how much that affected my will to go for the gold again? Yeah, that's about how much. Question? No questions! Read my lips! I will be back at the 2012 Olympics! Kurt, 2012 Olympics? What did you just do? I got overexcited when I saw this suit. I had to buy it. Yeah, yeah. Where did you get that thing? This? Yeah. Where'd you get it? Kurt. I'm, I'm, I made it. I wish you would have mentioned this earlier, you know, but we got to deal with this. Boom. I got his back. Fencing. Badminton. Ping pong. Race walking. Beach volleyball. A new event. That's brilliant. Which one do I do? You do them all, Kurt. You do them all. I waited 16 years for this moment. To be back where I belong with the Olympics.
Only women's trials next week. Wow. We're gonna give this a shot.